Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello, Sabriel. Hello, Ken. This is the first episode of our new podcast, Transporter Lock. Awesome. This is going to be so exciting. I don't know what is more exciting, that I'm finally collaborating with you on a weekly audio podcast or that the new Star Trek show is finally airing. I know, right? It's been, what, 15 years? Almost 15 years? I did not think we'd ever see it in another Star Trek show. And here we are. Yeah, Star Trek Discovery has been in the works for years. The release date got pushed back. I think it was supposed to be last fall, and then this January, and then this May. And finally, it's coming out this month, September 2017. And it's the first new Star Trek show since Enterprise went off the air in 2005. Yeah, okay, that was close. 12 years. (laughs) Almost 15. (laughs) Yeah, wow. I mean, how, how long was it between TOS and Next Gen? 21 years. Yeah, well, let's see. The original series started in, I think, 66, and TNG no, started yeah. in 87, so that discovered. was 21 years. I was right, I was right. Yeah. yeah, and then once TNG started, there were 18 consecutive years of Star Trek, during which they aired 25 seasons of Star Trek. 18 glorious consecutive years. And were you there for all of them? Did you watch all the Star Treks? Close, close. I was very young when Next Generation started airing. And I remember actually uh, the first episode that I saw was where Worf is on the holodeck fighting some yellow monster and uh, scared the crap out of me. I never wanted to watch the show again. <laughs> oh, that's the episode where he meets his future wife, yep, right? Killer, killer. Yeah, right, right. And how did you get into that? Were you just flipping channels and you found that? My parents were watching. Ah, they and, got you into Trek. Well, they were watching and they saw this episode. This that, that yellow creature scared the crap out of me, so I did not want to see this ever again. And then I don't know how, but apparently I didn't realize what it was. And so weeks, months, years later, I was watching with them again. I don't think it was years. I think it was months. And didn't realize it was the same show. I'm like, oh, this is the greatest ever. <laughs> and then you finally came across that episode again and were terrified. Yeah, it was when my adulthood I came across that. And I'm like, oh, this is, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what was so scary. Got it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you went right from that to DS9, Voyager, Enterprise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you have a favorite of those four shows? Oh, goodness. You know, every time I watch one, it becomes my favorite again. But Deep Space Nine and Enterprise right now are my favorites. Really? Enterprise? Yeah. Oh, I love Enterprise. There, of course, there are there are stinkers. There are stinkers in every series. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Enterprise, and I wish more people would have given it more of a chance back then, and it may have done better and lasted longer. No, I will admit that the fourth season of Enterprise is some of the finest storytelling we've ever seen in Trek. Yeah. Yeah, they did an amazing job with season four, and it was too bad it was too late. I know. They turned the ship around, and if they had had a few more seasons like that, it might have ended up being the best Star Trek ever. Very well. Um, at least to me. <laughs> right. And, of course, it was great to see Scott Bakula back after Quantum Leap. Oh, yeah. I grew up watching Quantum Leap. And so seeing him on screen again, I thought it was great. I know a lot of people, at least at the time, were not too keen on him being uh, captain. Like, when they found out the news, they were all like, oh, boy. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, I I liked Enterprise, especially the fourth season, as I mentioned. But my... My first track, like you, was was TNG, which debuted 30 years ago this week. 
Oh my gosh. September 28th. <laughs> it was a Monday night and my dad sat me down and said, hey, this is a sequel to a show I watched when I was a kid and I'd love to share it with you because the original series debuted, of course, as we said, in 66, just a few weeks after my parents got married. So both oh. Star Trek and my parents' wedding anniversary were 50 years last year. Wow. Yeah, so my wow. dad turned me on to Next Generation. I loved it, and every week I would sit down and watch it with him. Mom wasn't too interested. She wasn't so much into sci-fi. But we watched TNG, and then DS9, and then Voyager. Sometimes we'd like, we would go to church on Saturday night, and we'd leave church early so that we could get home in time to watch <laughs> The Next Generation. My mom hated that. Uh, and then we watched the first three seasons of Enterprise, and our relationship was such that we never got to watch the fourth season together. We did end up watching it on our own. But yeah, we watched all these treks together, and it's impossible to think about Star Trek without thinking about my dad. He passed away last year, and now my mom wants to get into Star Trek, maybe as a way to, to reconnect with dad. So we have actually sat down and started watching TNG together for her for the first time oh, from season wow. one on Blu-ray. What an experience for her. I hope she is enjoying it. She loves it. She admits that a small part of it is reconnecting with dad. A small part of it is how happy it makes me to be watching it with her. But she says that she actually does, on her own, enjoy Star Trek. Good, good, good. Yeah, we're, we're not watching every episode. like Not like the, you have no vaccine, <laughs> no <laughs> Tashiar. Like, no Shades of Grey, for example. Or <laughs> what was that other episode where Beverly Crusher falls in love with an Irish ghost yeah, and a candle? Yeah, that was in season seven. Um, uh, the name's escaping me at the moment, but yeah. Tabula Rasa, I believe. Yeah, so yeah. Like yeah, we don't need to watch that. Mm -hmm. um, but like, we watch some bad episodes if they're important, like Skin of Evil. Like, it's important oh, yes. to know why Tasha Yar is not on Star Trek anymore. And right, of course, right. when her half Romulan daughter comes back later, there has to be a reason for that. Right. Right. So we are watching all the Star Treks, and we actually went to the movies together last summer and watched Star Trek Beyond, which you and I did a podcast about on yes. Polygamer. Yes. Before we get into Beyond, what's the first Star Trek movie you saw that you remember seeing in a theater? The first Star Trek movie I saw in theaters was, I think, when I was in grade school with my best friend at the time, Joey Smith, and we went to see Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. <laughs> that was my first Star Trek movie in the theater <laughs> as well. Which was weird for me because I didn't grow up with the original series, and to this day, there are still episodes of TOS I haven't seen. Oh, wow. I mean, I have the whole thing on Blu-ray. It's just I, it's hard to go back when there's so much new Star Trek coming out, like these new movies and Discovery. Um, the original series can be rough. I, I strongly suggest, it's, to me, it's one of those shows where you have it on when you're doing something else that <laughs> needs close attention. There's a few amazing episodes, but a lot of them are mediocre at best. Like Spock's Brain? Uh, uh, no, it's not one of the ones that are mediocre at best. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even make it to that bar. No, no. Okay. Have you ever been to a Star Trek convention? I have when I was, I don't know the exact age, but it was just, it was about the summer before Voyager was coming out, which was which launched in January. So this was sometime in the summer, my, fr my dad, uh, his old boss and I drove down to Minneapolis. And I remember that Rene Averjonois and, and uh, Gates McFadden were the guests. That's really and, cool. And you got to meet yeah. them? I did not get to meet them, but I got to see them talk. Uh, at their big, huge things. Oh, that's fun. So, yeah. It was really cool. 
Yeah, I've been to a couple Star Trek conventions in Boston, both of them just in the last five years. Got to meet a whole bunch of actors and get their autographs, which is very expensive, as you can imagine. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're pretty laid-back events. Like it's, it's usually like there's one main hall at the Star Trek conventions in Boston, and that's where the talks are. And I'm sure the people up on stage have been asked every question by now. Oh, yeah, they have to be. I think I'm sure they're not surprised anymore. <laughs> there was a great clip on YouTube where Michael Dorn and Brent Spiner are up on stage, and Jonathan Frakes is in the audience, and he keeps going up to the microphone and asking questions. <laughs> it's hilarious. There'll be a link in the show notes. I know Brent Spiner has done that to the cast as well. I can't. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He's quite the prankster, <laughs> just like in Gargoyles. Yeah, I did not see that show. You didn't see Gargoyles? All the alumni on there, I did not watch it. So Gargoyles, as you probably know, was a Disney cartoon that had pretty much every actor from TNG as a voice actor. It was amazing. Yeah, it still was not enough to get me interested in the concept. It might have been great, but when I was little, I was just, eh. Well, it's not too late to pick up the DVDs. <laughs> I've gone to these conventions, but I've only ever cosplayed as a Star Trek character twice, if you can even call it that. When I was in high school, I had a Klingon wig and makeup kit and so i put those on twice once for Hall uh both times for halloween once while i was working at blockbuster and once just to go to a college party <laughs> i did not have an outfit though i didn't have a costume it was just like i was klingon from the neck up and that was it <laughs> oh no i've never done anything like that i've uh all the closest i've done is i have a starfleet dress it's a, a tng era command uh, tunic dress oh that's cool where do you wear yeah. it um, I've worn it at PAX and uh, just around actually daily wear. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Show my pride. I have Star Trek pajamas, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> Where do you wear those at? <laughs> to bed. Oh, okay. Just bed. Yeah, just around the house. I wore them once to MAGFest, and sometimes I wear them for YouTube videos that I shoot, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of YouTubes, Star Trek is not the beginning and end of our geekery. You are just a media maven who encompasses all forms of geekery. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I love a lot of geek things um, from Star Trek to a uh, ton of video game genres. To, um, now I'm starting to get into um, anime called Initial D, which is great. Um, yeah, the whole wide spectrum of general geekdom I'm pretty well interested in. That's almost a sentence. <laughs> and especially Overwatch, I understand. Yes, Overwatch is um, pretty much my job right now. I've been doing it for a year. I work for a site called Overbuff that does statistics for Overwatch. And if you see anything on social media, that's pretty much been me talking about it or nice. on their social media. Yep. I also do their support and news and whatnot. So you're very much into online games, shooting people in the head, stuff like that. Yeah, shooting video game people in the head. <laughs> Sorry, we, I guess that is an important <laughs> clarification, right? I also do, uh, I'm going to change it up as we record this, I'm retooling it, but a weekly esports newscast as well on Overwatch. Pulse Bomb Ready, you should check it out. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that is actually how we met, was through video games. We met at PAX East, where I was doing a panel back in 2014. I've been playing video games even longer than I've been watching Star Trek, starting with the Atari 2600 on up. And I host the Polygamer podcast, where I interview marginalized voices in the gaming industry. I also have YouTube channel Game Bits, where I do Let's Plays and unboxings. And my other big geekery 
is the Apple II computer. This uh, 40-year-old computer turned 40 years old this past April or June, depending on who you ask. And I still go to an annual convention for it. I publish a quarterly magazine about it called Juice GS. And until a few years ago, I co-hosted a podcast about that. That show is still ongoing, Open Apple. Uh, Next year, maybe I'd like to go. I was actually thinking about that this year. I'm like, oh, it already happened. (laughs) What, to the Apple II convention? (laughs) Yeah, it might be kind of neat. I think that would be amazing. So I don't know if I can get it work, my schedules, whatever, but if possible, that'd be totally cool. So keep me informed. It's held in Kansas City. It's called Kansas Fest, even though it's held in Missouri. And uh, it's a week-long event. You can go for just a few days. They have sliding scales based on your availability. It's a lot of fun. That was for me, not just a show. I was... <laughs> oh, no, we're including that. I kept that. forgetting to tell you, and I want no, to. No, no, that is on the record. <laughs> because now I can point to this podcast a year from now and say, Sabriel, you had to have gone to Kansas Fest by now. It's on the record. People heard you say that. <laughs> Saying you wanted to go if you could. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, one other thing I forgot to mention is that all this geekery sort of uh, came together this past spring when I went on my first Joko cruise. You did. You did. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's an annual cruise managed by Jonathan Colton and Paul and Storm, three nerd musicians. And one of the reasons I wanted to go on this cruise was because one of the guests was Will Wheaton, who, of course, played Wesley Crusher on The Next Generation. He's a Starfleet. They don't lie. (laughs) That's that's right. They don't. (laughs) Over the years, I had gotten autographs from a lot of actors and performers with Star Trek, including the entire cast of The Next Generation, except... For Will Wheaton, he was my last one, unless you count Diane Moldar, I don't have her. But I finally went on Joko Cruise, cornered Will Wheaton, I said, hey, I'm on this cruise, and I happen to have an 8x10 glossy of you with me right here, could you autograph it? And as he's sitting there just finishing lunch with his wife by the pool, he said, sure. And we chatted for a bit. So I finally have the complete collection. Congratulations. And um, how much did that... Uh, we were talking about uh, how much can be to get signatures from the cast. How much did that one cost you? So at the conventions, <laughs> I've paid anywhere from 20 bucks to 100 I think 100 might have been what uh, Patrick Stewart cost, either 80 or 100 Most people cost like 35 to $40. Uh, Will Wheaton's autograph came with the cruise. So uh, you could say it cost me $1,800. That's, yeah, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. Will Wheaton from Stand By Me. Yeah, that's what everyone will know him from. Of course. We are culminating all this Star Trek geekery, both yours and mine, in this brand new weekly podcast all about Star Trek Discovery, which, as we said, is airing on CBS All Access if you're in the USA or Netflix if you're anywhere else. What is Star Trek Discovery? I'm sure you've probably caught some media that I haven't. So can you give me your impression of what this new show is? Well, I'm going to correct you a little bit right off the bat i have intentionally avoided almost everything there is to know about the show <gasps> so it's all fresh to me i do know a little bit here and there though all right tell uh, me what you do know and maybe i, I can fill on some blanks it takes place a few years before the kirk era i don't know a few years maybe was it 10-ish so? i think a decade is correct yes yeah yeah and uh i know we have um for some somehow we have um two captains uh in different ships because we have a we have a um, we have Mal- Malfoy. And, uh, we- <laughs> <laughs> so the actor who played yes, Draco Malfoy's uh, dad in the Harry Potter movies. Uh, I, uh, in case new listeners, this is how I remember actors and actresses. is not their names, but roles they have played. Well, sure. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so we have and, Draco Malfoy's dad as a captain yep. of one of the starships. Yep. And then we have um, a woman who was in Memoirs of a Geisha. 
Michelle Yeoh. There we go. And okay. she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yep. I actually don't remember her name. I know this show follows... Uh, it's a lower-ranking crew member. Like the TNG Probably. episode Lower Decks? I, I don't know how low it goes. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I literally have intentionally kept myself in the dark, so it's as much of a surprise as it can be. All right, well, maybe I can fill you in and hopefully not give you too many spoilers. Oh, I also know uh, Klingons look very different, and I'm I'm uh, cautiously optimistic about this change. And I know Sarek isn't here. Yes, that's right. So, uh, I mean, I, what, what if what I have to tell you is a spoiler? Is that okay? That's cool. It's okay. like three days away. Three days away. Yeah, so it seems like they're, the show starts with two ships, the Shenzhou and the Discovery. And I think there's a transfer of crew from the Shenzhou to the Discovery. I don't know why that might be. We can postulate why that might happen. And then from there on, it follows Discovery. The main character is, I think, the commander, not the captain, which I find to be a weird distinction because I never thought of Star Trek, any of the series, as having a main character. I always thought it was an ensemble yeah, show. Yeah, same here. I remember that was a big deal when it was announced that it wasn't going to be basically, I don't say following the captain or the crew, but more her, which I think is great. It's just, it's a different feeling. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Although the way I've heard it in the news is that the main character is the commander instead of the captain like usual. And that second part of that clause is what hung me up because it's never been the captain per usual. We always like associate like the captains, but we never think of it as their show. At least I don't. Neither do I. I don't know. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> uh, so it does, as you said, take place 10 years before Kirk. And I think... Brian Singer, when he was still associated with the show, as I think he said that it covers an event in Star Trek history that has often been alluded to, but never directly addressed. Oh, yes, that's right. It's about the Klingon, uh, Klingon War. Either a Klingon War or maybe the Romulan War, but that hasn't been no, mentioned in any of the trailers. That was in Enterprise era, the Romulan War. I mean, it was post-Enterprise, because even in Enterprise... No human ever saw a Romulan. Oh, oh okay. So, so um, in the series finale of Enterprise, it took place 10 years or so later from the last episode we had. And the Romulan War happened in that time period. It happened in those 10 years? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yep. yep. So okay. we skipped the entire thing. There was talk of if the show continued, we actually get to see some of it. But uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you for that clarification. I did not no know problem. that. Here is something that you may not have heard, and this has just come out in the last month or so, is that the main character was raised by Spock's parents. Oh, yes, I, I saw that. I saw a little bit of the trailer today, or, or and talk of it today. So I actually dis- discovered that, t- discover that today. Ha! ha I, I see what you did there. <laughs> Sarah basically is a foster parent, I think. Right. To our... Our human actress. protagonist. Yeah. Which is very strange because at no point has Spock ever mentioned having a stepsister. I mean, like, I don't talk about a lot of my family either, so. <laughs> yeah, but given how much screen time Spock has had, you think it might have come up. Kind of like we learned about his half-brother. But not to, like, Star Trek V? Right, but I don't know. I mean, that was good. That was a good 20 years. <laughs> well, one of the directors, I think, said that we may see things in Discovery that seem like they're violating Star Trek canon, but they have a reason for that. And my concern is that this will prove to be a separate timeline. Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't think it's going to be the Kelvin timeline, but I think... Honestly, I'm not too concerned because Star Trek breaks its own canon within 
things. And like, I, I like to have the consistency-ish, but I can give some leeway if it's good storytelling too. I suppose, but as far as I know, unlike Star Wars, which has ejected all of the extended universe <laughs> yes. with the books and the comic books, and as far as like the X-Men prequels, which sort of reset the timeline as well, as far as I know, that's not their intention here. I don't think they're saying that some Star Trek never happened. Because since this is set 10 years before the original series, you would think that the original series would still happen, depending on the timeline. I'm not too worried. I mean, I'm sure they'll stick to a canon that we know as close as possible. But, you know, like, Enterprise also did some things that were kind of wonky, where, but it still made it fit, like the Borg and the Ferengi. That's true. And that's, a, that's the kind of thing I think in there they'll do, if anything, is like... It's, it's a stretch, but you know, it still fits. I am concerned whether this fits into the TV universe or the movie universe, because one, there's the legal aspect where I think Paramount owns one and CBS owns the other, but yeah. B, there's the concern about confusing the audience, because the last three Star Trek movies in theaters did pretty well, and if people ride that bandwagon onto Discovery, and it's suddenly set in a different universe, that's going to be confusing. I could see that argument, but I don't know if I agree with it. I think the audience is more intelligent than Hollywood gives us credit for. I think Trekkies are more intelligent. And Trekkies indefinitely are much more intelligent than they give us credit for. Yeah, we can handle it, but I think there are probably a lot of people who came into Star Trek as a result of the movies and haven't seen a TV show yet. Uh, if, if you if you enjoyed the movies, uh, the, the reboot movies, um, and you've already started watching other Treks, then you definitely know. Like, I, I have this feeling that anyone who watches those tracks know that it's a separate timeline. Like, I've heard like, people just be like, I heard it's something different. That's cool. Whatever. All right. Like, I think people are just more intelligent than, than Hollywood gives them credit for. I don't think there'd be a problem, honestly. Well, I'm also concerned what Hollywood standards are for how intelligent their audience is because so many shows get canceled after the first season nowadays. Yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, if TNG were to premiere today with Encounter at Farpoint, I don't think it would last half a season. Oh, no. No. If it was if it was 80 standards of shows, no. Same thing happened with Cheers. I've been watching that. It's like, those few episodes were kind of rough. But, right. Um, I think TV's changed. And I think, uh, I think if I heard correctly, Discovery's already made a profit before it's even aired. How is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> I just remember hearing this months ago. Maybe with all the licensing deals with Netflix. Or maybe all the speaker fees they've gotten from Star Trek conventions? Uh-huh, maybe. So I, I think we're already set to go for season two. Well, I hope so. I understand they're sort of doing like half seasons. I think the show is going to run September through November and then take a few months off and then start up again because they're going for serial arcs similar to DS9. Oh, okay, okay. I remember talking about this, but I don't remember if it was um, based on anything official or not because I remember talking about having, wondering if it's going to be each season would be something like, uh, was it American Horror Story? Where each season is like the same, more or less the same actors, but different setting. Oh, I think you told me about that when you and I were driving to Minneapolis, and I yeah, still I haven't watched it. I've never watched it either. It's not my thing. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, that's how I understand the show is. And I remember a talk about, wonder if Discovery is going to do that. And that may have been before we had any details. And may have been just speculation beyond, or other than actually what was going to happen. Well, we won't have to speculate for much longer because the show premieres this Sunday, September 24th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS and CBS All Access. And immediately after the premiere is finished, 
the second episode is already available. And yeah, holy the, crap. I know. I mean, they're, I mean, I think that's a great idea, similar to how podcasts should launch with multiple episodes. So is Star Trek. They're not going with the binging route, but they are giving you something right away to whet your appetite. Yes, and it's wonderful. And new episodes will air every Sunday night after that, as except for those breaks that we mentioned. So, well, I guess I know what I'm doing every Sunday night. <laughs> Talking to me on Transporter Lock? Yeah, yeah. So what is our plan for this show? What, what, what are we doing on this show? I mean, right now we're not reviewing any particular episodes, but once the show airs, how is Transporter Lock going to change? We hope to do some kind of analysis on the show, kind of what happened, maybe have some insights into why. I know I'm going to be watching every episode at least twice before we talk about it if I can. Yeah, we're definitely going to be reviewing each episode. Ideally, in like the 36 hours after it airs, there will be a new episode of Transporter Lock where we'll be talking about it and maybe conjecturing what's going to happen next week, and we'll revisit those predictions in the next episode. I don't think we're going to have guests, are we? Uh, if it happens, cool, but I don't... Uh, it's not on the plan at the moment. We don't have any Transporter Locks on guests at the moment. Ha ha. I'm sorry, I totally missed that. <laughs> If you want to listen to a great Star Trek podcast with guests, I would recommend Random Trek with Scott McNulty. You and I have both been on that show. Yes, wonderful show. Wonderful show. But he goes back and reviews old episodes. We're going to be reviewing the new episodes of Discovery. So every time there's a new episode of Discovery, there'll be a new episode of Transporter Lock. We don't know what we're going to do when there aren't new episodes of Discovery. Maybe we'll take that week off. Uh, maybe a week off. Or I was thinking uh, we can reanalyze things we've already seen or just talk. If they are going for those mini-serial arcs, then once a mini-arc is finished within the season, we can talk about where they started from and where they went. How did they get from point A to B? What was the impact on Trek lore? And where do we think they're going next? Yes, absolutely. So there's plenty to talk about. I've had friends who've had Voyager podcasts that go hundreds of episodes, and the show hasn't aired in 15, 17 years. So. Yeah, yeah, that went off the air in 2001, the same year Enterprise debuted. So that's been a while. So we'll be good. We'll be good. Yeah, I don't think we'll be wanting for content. <laughs> Fantastic. So that's what we're hoping to do here on Transporter Lock, and we're hoping that we have a lot of Trekkies who are along for the ride and sharing this experience with us, because Trek was meant to be shared. Infinite diversity in infinite combinations, and that means both co-hosts and listeners. Yes, absolutely. One of my favorite things to do about Star Trek is talk about Star Trek with others. I agree, and I don't have enough people in my life who love Trek as much as I do. In fact, Sabriel... You are the only person I've ever met who has even more breadth and depth of knowledge of Star Trek than I do. Oh, that's so sweet to say. Thank you. Well, it's true. And <laughs> like, I, I know people who know more about TOS than me. I know people who know more about TNG than me. And we can play the, the CNET trivia game. And if we were to focus on any one series, I can be outmatched. But when it comes to the entire universe of Star Trek and all the shows, they're aren't many people that I know in my own personal offline life who have watched every episode of every series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, except for TOS and TAS, the animated series, I have seen everything, and so have you. And so it's so exciting to have a friend like you who shares that same context. Oh, I feel the same way, Ken. Oh, uh, thanks, nice to have. <laughs> I, I have a, li a lot of acquaintances and friends who are Trekkies, but not to the level that I think uh, we are. Not too many that at that level. Well, then they're oh. not friends, are they? No. <laughs> I mean, okay, I played Star Trek the card game, both versions, for a number of years. 
Oh yeah, you definitely win. You have you outnerd me every opportunity you can get. <laughs> All right. So this is the first episode, or actually the zeroth episode of Transporter Lock. The first episode will air after the premiere airs. The second episode will air shortly thereafter because the second episode of Discovery airs shortly thereafter, and then we'll be on the same weekly schedule as the show itself. Excellent. Can't wait to talk to you again. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com.